Father's Day. Come on, give the Lord praise for all our moms. Amen. I had a friend of mine say one time that um, that uh, we wouldn't be here without our moms. He was very deep. And um, amen. God's so good, isn't he? And we had another video of kids. Is that not in there? You can try something where you, <laughs> well, make sure you get the right one. But <laughs> Well, anyway, God's good, and uh, I'm very thankful for what he's doing. And we're not going to show that all again. Why don't you guys do the, just go ahead and do that, amen? Amen, well, technical difficulties, right? Amen, well, <laughs> yeah, right, Amanda, yeah. Amen. Well, you guys can go ahead and, you guys got it? No, no, okay. Never mind. We'll have to talk to somebody about that later. Amen. You know, uh, Mother's Day is a, um, is a holiday that, um, we, of course, we, we want to represent and honor and thank our moms, but sometimes it can be uh, not an easy holiday for people. If you've lost your mom, um, or you want to be a mom, and it's been hard. So I, you know, I looked over the uh, internet, and I found this, uh, this kind of this writing this lady did. And I, I want to read this, because I think it, it really brings um, to focus different types of mothers, whether it's spiritual moms, uh, moms who are have ha- having a hard time, maybe you've lost your mom. And so listen to this. It says, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, fears, and disappointments, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, We mourn that life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who who are step-parents, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who have empty or nest in the coming year, we grieve with you and also rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, We commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expectant and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. Come on, let's give it up with all to all our moms. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. We are thankful for you. After the service, all moms, if you're in those categories um, that I just read, if that related to you, um, we have a flower bouquet that you're going to be getting after you leave this service. Um, they'll be handing those out to you. We also have a place where you can, uh, a photo station, you can uh, take a Mother's Day picture with you and your family. Amen? Amen. We'll turn to Psalm 69. I am I'm going to be dealing with a, a little different sh- subject today on because we're on this series on emotions. You know, our whole heart is that we are not supposed to let our emotions lead and guide and lead us. They're, they're guides, but they're not supposed to lead us in any way. And so um, we've been on um, talking about uh, emotions, talking about anxiety last week. And today I want to deal with really, I believe, an epidemic in our society. And so it's the emotion of loneliness. And uh, um, in Psalm 69, um, verse 20, the psalmist says this. He says, reproach has broken my heart. And I am full of heaviness and I've looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. And then Psalm 73, turn over to Psalm 73, verse 25. says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. You know, there was a, uh, an advertisement in a newspaper a um, number of years ago. Um, and the can- one of the Kansas newspaper, I think it was in Salina. And um, it said this, it says, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. Now, people thought it was a hoax, but really the person who, who, who um, put that advertisement out had, have, had 10 to 20 calls per day from people just wanting that him to talk to them or listen to them. You know, the pain of loneliness is like that. You know, we, we strive for real connection. It's so sharp that we're willing to try anything for a half an hour of companionship. Loneliness is something that hits all of us in one time or another. Sometimes it lasts just for a moment. Sometimes it can last throughout a lifetime. And they, they, they describe loneliness as this. This is the definition um, most, um, most books describe loneliness. And they define it like this. as a painful awareness that we lack meaningful contact with others. It involves within it a feeling of inner emptiness, which can be accompanied by sadness, discouragement, a sense of isolation, restlessness, and anxiety. You know, loneliness really is a root issue to a lot of our problems and a lot of our emotions. Loneliness can, um, can really destroy a person's life. The fact of the matter is, if you experience loneliness at any time in your life, you may be even here right now and experience loneliness. You know, what you begin to feel is that you're unwanted or rejected, even though you're surrounded by others. Relationships can be very superficial in, with loneliness, and, and a lot of times we feel, we feel rejected, and a, lot of, and a lot of times we feel this worthlessness in our lives. So we, so we reason with ourselves that if no one wants to be with me, I am not worthy of being with. And so it brings on a lot of things. And I really believe in this 21st century that loneliness is a plague on our society. Now let me make a distinction here. Loneliness is not the same as solitude. Solitude is a choice. Solitude, we make a choice to get away from people. Sometimes you need to get away from people, right? How many guys would agree with that, right? 
Jesus had to get away from people. People, He went on the mountain to pray and told everybody, hey, stay here. And they kept on following. No, no, stay here. You know, they, he doesn't want them to follow. I mean, solitude is something that can be refreshing. It can be, it's something that you choose to do, but loneliness is not something you choose to have. Loneliness sometimes is, is, is put upon you. It's unpleasant. It's draining. It's painful. And when we look at the Bible, we see um, loneliness is the, really the first thing that God noticed about when he created Adam. He looked at Adam, and in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, it's, it's not good that man should be alone, so I'm going to make a helpmate or helper for him. And if you go through from Genesis through Revelation, you see all these men of faith, these great men of God, and, but they're lonely. They've de- they dealt with that. They dealt with loneliness a lot of times. You see Jacob dealing with loneliness, the life of Moses, um, uh, Job, the prophet Elijah, and the prophet Jeremiah dealt with loneliness. Nehemiah dealt with it. David the psalmist, we just read some of that, but in Psalms 25 it says, I am desolate and afflicted. I have been left and deserted. There was times of King David's life where he felt alone. He felt rejected. He felt no one cared. Jesus even had that same thing. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and that we even hid our faces from him. We esteemed him stricken of God and afflicted. I mean, he was rejected by his own people, and in his hometown he wasn't really received. He was rejected then. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when all the sin and all the weight of the world was really being put upon Jesus where he, he, he was so, so uh, um, traumatic that he sweat drops of blood. His own friends, his best friends, that ones of his disciples fell asleep and weren't even there for him. And then eventually everyone left him at the cross and weren't there for him. Someone told me one time, says, well, if I was there, I would have never done it. I, I doubt it. You don't understand this. And especially in our culture today, you don't follow someone who looks like a loser. Do you? I would hope I would be able to follow Jesus at that time. But a lot of times we don't. We, we, look, at, we look at the stage. We look at the, uh, are they successful? And we want to do that. But Jesus had just lost all of his followers. He lost thousands and thousands of people where they turned on him and wanted him crucified. He was rejected. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, was written by John the Apostle who was exiled on the island of Patmos. We don't know what type of human interaction that he had, but he probably died there alone. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 to his he calls him his dear son of the faith, Timothy. And he's about ready to face execution. And he says, do your diligence to come to me shortly. And he names off, he says, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world and departed. He names off a few people who have left him. He says, listen, only Luke is with me. Come to me now. Bring Mark because he's, he's good for me. He was alone. See, the problem of loneliness, I want you to understand, is no respecters of person. It hits all of us in some time or another in our life. And and especially even great men and women that we look up to. A.W. Tozer said, most of the world's great souls have been lonely. 
Albert Einstein, who wasn't a believer, said this. He says, it's strange to be known so universally, yet to be so lonely. A giant of science is lonely. William Carey, the father of modern missions in India, said this in his diary. He says, oh, that I would have an earthly friend on whom I could unbosom my soul. No matter who you are, giant or dwarf or whatever you view yourself, loneliness can hit you. I know it's hit me personally. You can be surrounded by people and still be lonely. Dr. Gary Collins said this. He says, we live in a loneliness-producing society. Imagine that. Our society is producing this more and more because of technology, which, which doesn't allow us to have intimate relationships with people. You know, a lot of times, even the seating changes that we've done here is to hope that we can provide more relationship activities with you. See, loneliness is something that you can be around everybody. Loneliness doesn't mean you're alone. You can have people all around you. You can have all the friends and all the family and, and everything around you and still feel lonely. And here's some reasons for loneliness. Number one is abandonment. It's often usually because of a loss of a loved one. If you ever lost someone in your, in your life because of death, you can feel alone. But it can be a loss of a job or a loss of a friend. A move to another city can cause that deep, troubling loneliness. A lot of times you can feel when, when you're abandoned, you can feel that loneliness. Another reason why we have loneliness is rejection. You've been rejected by people. How many of you have ever been rejected by somebody? Raise your hand. Right? Rejection can cause that. We've tried to have friends, but we're rejected. You know, we call them, but they never call us back. It sounds like my wife. But anyway, um, never answers her phone. But, but we've been rejected. We may have been ignored. We put down, uh, we've been put down. We have these emotions, and we're burned out. And we have these inner wounds from people. It hasn't healed, and, and we just don't want to try again. We don't want to expose ourselves to more hurt because of the loneliness. Because of that, loneliness is growing in our lives. You know, Mark Twain said something I thought was funny. He says, he, says, uh, he says that a cat, if a cat sits on a hot stove, he won't sit on a hot stove again. In fact, he won't sit on any stove again. And if you've been rejected by somebody, it's hard for you to trust in relationships. But what happens that, that begins to make us even more lonely. Affliction, if you have affliction in your life. Psalms 38, 11 says this, My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. When you face illness or afflictions, we can feel that no one else in this world knows what I'm going through. We probably have all been there in some way or another. You don't know what I'm going through. And you know what? Some, some of that may be true. They don't. Hardships, loss of a job or loss, loss of a, uh, a family member, serious illness, extreme feelings of being alone start to happen in us. No one understands what we're going through. Sometimes we produce a life of loneliness. Sometimes we're arrogant. Self-righteous or overinflated self-esteem can lead to a feeling of loneliness. You know why? Because people don't like you. <laughs> right? But we can have that. People who are arrogant even tend to shut themselves up in their little own world. 
then they find that loneliness is overwhelming in their lives. Ambition can do that. You know, if you can be so, so purposeful of being successful in your life that you run over people, and that can produce loneliness. H.G. Wells said that he experienced profound loneliness. Many famous people feel very lonely. It's often lonely at the top. Ecclesiastes 4.8, written by Solomon, King Solomon, he says this, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Apprehension can be another reason. Many people feel that they cannot trust anyone in our day. We feel like we're, we, we're going to be taken advantage of because we read about it all the time and we can't trust anyone. So we don't. We don't open up ourselves to anybody anymore. Micah chapter 7 verse 5 says this in the NLT. It says, don't trust anyone, not your best friend or even your wife. Someone has some problems there, right? Alienation, you know, in this world, we're only a number. That can, that can cause loneliness. We're a social security number. You go to Walmart, they want your credit card number. You go to the library, they want your library number. You go, any, go to the doctor, they want your insurance card number. You can be a number everywhere. In fact, even in churches, you can be just a number. Alienation. So we just kind of stay away. And these things produce loneliness that causes anxiety, causes pain. What happens is the result of loneliness means your life is going to be very dark. Lonely people live in a dark life. This is contrary to the joy of God that he promised through Jesus Christ. Loneliness feels like pure darkness. There's an old saying about people who are too intelligent. It says the light is on, but no one's home. Well, the light is on to lonely people, but they're home, but no one's there. It's hurtful. They live in the dark. It produces a dark life. It also produces a diseased life. We're told that 80% of all people who need a psychiatrist are lonely. A study was done in, in a hospital that over 45% of all the people who had heart attacks said they were lonely and depressed before they had the heart attack. Loneliness leads to depression. It leads, can lead to suicide. It can lead to addiction and other serious problems. It's also, it also can be a distorted life. In 1 Kings 19 14, it says this. This is Elijah and he says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. He wasn't the only one left. There was at least 7,000 other people who didn't bow down to those idols. But because he had placed himself in that lonely, loneliness getting away from people, running away. He felt like, I'm the only one who's serving God. I'm the only one. So it leads a distorted view of life. It also leads to a defeated life. Loneliness leads to a defeated life because it takes away 
the sense of God's presence. See, the thing about loneliness, if you're a believer in here, now if you're not a believer, you have a right to feel lonely because you are. You have a right to do that. But as a believer, loneliness can be a lie. Now, if you're not a believer in here, you've never accepted Jesus, you can have an opportunity to receive him. He, he wants to make you know that he is always there. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But for a believer, Jesus is always there. But this is the lie of loneliness, that we are truly alone. And when we allow that to continue, remember, loneliness is an emotion. It's really not real. Like I said, you can be around people and feel alone. There's something spiritual that is happening. In fact, I believe loneliness can be a spirit. It can be an evil spirit to take you away from the things of God. And to stop you from getting out. You know, a lot of emotions do that, right? They stop you. If we let them lead us, it will stop us from going on to the plan of God. Now, my, my goal here today is to help set you free. We recognize the pain of loneliness. And I'm, I'm not talking from someone who's never felt lonely. Trust me. I'm talking from example. I've been there. I've done that. I haven't succeeded getting completely out of it in my life. But I'm, I am moving up. But I recognize it. And that's the key with any emotions. Do you recognize what the emotion is? Do you realize what's going on? And that it's not supposed to lead you. So how do we remove this loneliness so we don't live a defeated life? See, loneliness really began when sin entered the world, when Adam sinned. Loneliness began. He felt defeated, right? He was hiding. Adam was hiding from God. He felt alone. Why? Because he was. Sin come in really brings loneliness. And after Adam sinned, he hid. Loneliness started with sin. And we've got to realize that this, this feeling of loneliness is not of God. And we've got to decide, I am not going to allow it to, 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 to lead me, to guide me, to make, tell me who I am. A lot of times we do that. And I've, I've been there. I've been there in, in, in my room. I have a great family, a loving kids who always do their chores, a loving wife. Who just adores me. But I want to go upstairs into my room and shut my door. And I want to sulk. I want to be alone. This is not solitude. This is being led by loneliness. There is a time of solitude. I go up and I'm enjoying God. But I'm not enjoying God in my room right now. When I go up in this way... God, why have you forsaken me? And I start blaming people. I start blaming God. And that's where the enemy's got me. And I waste time. And I'm, getting, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing up all this hurt and all this stuff. And it's not bringing it up to get rid of it. I'm bringing it up to, to dwell on it. That's what happens when I'm led by this emotion called loneliness. And I need to get it out because if I, I'm, I'm defeated in that time. And I realize it's, it's easier said than done, trust me. My wife sees it, she knows it, 
and she prays for me. She, there's nothing she can say to me. She can say it, and she says the right things, and I should listen to her, but I don't. And if you've ever been lonely, you know what I'm talking about. But I want to give you some, some things today. Now, number one, I want to bring, I want you to acknowledge in your life that you have allowed loneliness to lead you. Yeah, you might have been hurt. Yeah, I'm not making light on that. You might have been rejected. You might feel abandoned. You've lost a loved one. And I'm not making light, please, of any of that. And there, there are those things that need to be talked about and they need to be counseled through prayer, through other people. But, but don't allow loneliness to lead you. Don't allow loneliness to capture you. Because it only leads to a defeated life. It leads to a dark life and a distorted life and a diseased life. So how do we get rid of loneliness? Here, number one, you must have a supernatural identity. See, Jesus is your identity. He is there. Jesus came to disciples because they belonged to him. He spoke to them. He commanded them. He promised them. He loved them. He led them. And when you belong to Jesus, that means you have given your life to him. Listen, he is there for you. And he will speak to you. He will command you. He will pro give you those promises. He, he will love on you. He will be there for you. You know, when I'm in my room and I'm, I'm allowing that loneliness, the only way I can get out is to remember what's happening to me. Is to remember that God is there. And somehow, during that time, somehow, because all I want to do is I want to quit. I want to quit everything in that, that time of loneliness. But somehow, something sparks in me, I'm here. That phrase comes into my, my mind that Jesus is here. And then when I decide, I choose to decide to go after him and really focus on him because he is here. He is my identity. He is all that I need. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I love what Jude 20 says. Jude verse 20, out of the message Bible. Let me read it to you. He says, but, dear fr friend, but you, dear friends, carefully... Build yourself up in the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And then look what it says. Staying right at the center of God's love. Right in the middle of his presence. Right where he is. That I begin, when I start praying, I start focusing on the Lord. I get my focus off of him and I start focusing on who Jesus is. And realize that he is here. He'll never leave me. He is right here. I just have to recognize him. That's my spiritual identity. Jesus is all that I need. Doesn't mean I don't need anybody else, but in that time, when I'm allowing loneliness to lead me and guide me, I've got to put my foot down and say no and listen to the Father. See, a lot of times, see what loneliness does, and a lot of emotions do this, right? If we're led by emotions, they put your focus on you. And at that time, on loneliness, I've got to get my focus off of me and on to Jesus. So when I hear that voice, I'm here. Can you imagine that? We reject Jesus still today. 
even though we say we're followers of Christ. He says, I'm here. I'm out here, that voice. And I'll start weeping. I'll say, Father, forgive me. I receive what you have right now. Thank you, Jesus. And I start praying. And when you start doing that, it brings you into the center of who he is. Not who you are, but who he is. Something begins to change. Your identity becomes not what's happened to you. Not what people said about you. Not what's going on in your life. Not your successes or your failures. Your identity is Jesus. And you realize that I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I don't have anything to worry about. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Number two, how you get rid of it, you must have a spiritual community. You know, the disciples were sent out two by two. Why didn't the Lord just send them out by one? There's power in others. Jesus knew that we needed to have the presence of fellow people on the road with us. Even serving him requires other people to be involved in it on our side. I, I, I tell our staff all the time, don't ever, I don't want to ever see you do things alone. That's not what God's called us to do. We are to be with others. The Bible tells us not to abandon meeting together. God meant for us to live in a, a community of believers with each other. And you've got to open up your heart to that. God said when there's two or more gathered, there I am in the midst of them, right? It's, it's one of the mysteries. Like when women go to the bathroom, they have to have more than one. I don't know why, right? There's a line. The reason the line, because you brought it with you, you know? And, um, but we, we are to be together. We're supposed to have this spiritual community. Matthew 18, 20, there I am in the midst of, of you when there's two or more gathered. See, there's something about community that I, I have relationships with people, deep relationships with people that I can speak to and talk about my deepest thoughts to that are going to love me no matter what. And that's our heart here at Cornerstone. Is that, and I tell you this, if you only come on Sunday, you're missing over 95% of the ministry that goes on here. You need Community. I need this. At Pentecost, God brought all the believers together in unity. They came from different languages, different backgrounds, but they began to understand each other. It's, it was actually a, a, a change from the Tower of Babel when God confused everybody. Now he's brought us all back together. We're supposed to be unified. Spiritual community is important. That you develop spiritual community. And, I, and if you've heard me say this more and more and more all the time, I'd rather you be involved in a small group when you come on Sunday morning to hear me. That's where you're going to be pastored. That's where you're going to be led, cared for more than anything. My goal for our church is to have more people in small groups than we do on a Sunday morning. I want that more than anything. Because I know that's the church alive, amen? You need a spiritual identity, but you also need a spiritual community. You need to have that. 
And then you have to have a spiritual mentality. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, talks, it's called the Great Commission. It says, go, make, teach, and baptize. Basically what Jesus is saying, that we need to reach out to others. You know, one way to overcome loneliness is to minister to other people. To get out of yourself, selfishness, right? And reach out to other people. You know what that does? That also brings you into a spiritual community. That also allows you to rely, because you can't minister without Jesus. You begin to know your identity in Him. Minister. Flow out of that. Go after it. God says to have a friend, be friendly, right? Minister to other people. I know when I'm going through some things and I'm becoming inward and selfish, you know what I want to do? I want to find someone I need to pray for. I'm going to go find someone I, I want to minister to. I've got to get out of my box. I've got to get out of my bedroom, right? I've got to get out of my house. I've got to get out of wherever I am that I'm, I'm dwelling on loneliness. And I've got to go find somebody to minister to. I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to chase people down. Right? To minister to them. I'm going to find somebody to minister. I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get out of that. If you want to overcome loneliness, look for someone to help. So you need to have a spiritual, a, a, a servant mentality. It says, God, I'm, I'm going to go after you and the things that you have me to do. I'm going to do it. No matter how I feel. See, that's what loneliness is trying to do. To stop what God wants to do in your life. Go out. So, Sean, I've, I've been rejected. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Jesus was rejected, but he still died. Don't make that an excuse. Go out and minister. I had a friend of mine who who uh, who took over a church, and uh, this church was failing. God told him to, to take it over, and it had, I don't know, 20, 30 people in it, and um, went through a lot. It's just one of those churches, you know. Well, he got there, and um, he started to, you know, to just love on the people and everything, but they didn't accept that. And so he lost, he was around 20 or 30, he lost over half of his people. And he, he wasn't getting paid for this. I mean, that church couldn't afford barely to keep the lights on, you know. And, uh, and so he's about ready to quit, and the Lord told him, I called you here, didn't I? He said, yeah, but no one wants to hear me. Nobody wants, they've rejected me. What, what do I do? He says, I've called you here. He says, Go out and minister to the people. And so what he began doing is just going to the doors of people in his church, which wasn't many. He could finish it pretty quick. He would go and just have lunch with people. He would hang out with them. And he began to do that with other people in the, in the, in the city that he was in, a smaller town. And he didn't quit. He could have quit. so easy to quit. It's so easy to stop when you feel lonely. He had no one. He had no family there. He had nothing. He's being rejected. 
But he got out of his, his spot and he went forward. Now that church is three or 400 people now. Why? Because he didn't stop. He didn't allow, be led by his feelings of loneliness and rejection. He got out. You have to do that. Have a servant mentality. And the last one is you've got to have supernatural peace. Someone said this, we need three basic things in life. Number one, we need to be loved. John 15, 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I want you to know that you can have peace today, that God loves you no matter what. If everybody else rejects you, the creator of the universe loves you. You are loved. No matter what, you are loved. Yeah, you might have made mistakes. You might have failed. You might have failed God. But he loves you. That has never changed. It never will. He loves you. Number two, the second thing people say we need is to be understood. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, t- has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus understands. I may not understand what you're going through. Other people may not understand what you're going through, but Jesus has under- understands everything that you've gone through. He's been tempted in everything. You can trust in him. And number three, we're supposed, we feel that we, we need to be needed. Ephesians 4.16 says, For him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each one does its work. In the family of God, you're more than needed. You're wanted. I want you to know that. God has a place for you. Everybody say this, God has a place for me. You need to know this, that God has a place for you. He has a plan for your life. Because when you're feeling lonely, guess what? You don't feel like you're needed. You don't feel like you're wanted. You feel like you're rejected and you're worthless. And that's the lie of the enemy. Jesus told us to go out and reach people. He promised to be with us because his presence is there. When you begin to recognize that, God wants you. You are needed. God has a place for you. Don't ever believe the lie that you have no place in God. Or you have no place, you have nothing to do in this world. God loves you. He has made you different. Amen? That's a good thing. He's made you with gifts and talents. Every single one of you have one. You have something. You might have been rejected by people. You might have been rejected by the church. But God loves you and he cares for you and he has a place for you. You have to know that. That you are needed. You have to know that you know he understands all. And you have to know that he loves you. And he cares for you. And that loneliness has no part in our lives. And that we don't have to feel it, feel it and allow it to allow, be part of who we are and really think about it and dwell on it. But when loneliness comes, we realize, I am loved, I'm wanted, I'm needed, I have a place. And he understands it. And I can talk to Jesus, amen? But I'm never alone. So when I'm up in my room, start to hear that voice. 
I'm going to snap out of it. I slap myself in the face a little bit. I really don't slap myself because that hurts. But, um, but basically, that's what we mean. And I start to, start to stand up. And, I, you know, it's not easy for me to stand up and walk around. But that's what I do. I, get, I stand up in my, in my room, and I start walking around, and I start talking to Jesus. And I start allowing him to fill me with vision and purpose. And, I, and I, I release all the hurt and the pain that's causing that loneliness. And I receive all that Jesus has. See, the thing about some of us need right now is just allow Jesus to hug on us. Right? To come and just comfort us. And he wants to do that right now to you. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here and you've been feeling alone, you've been feeling unwanted, rejected, unworthy, I want you to know this, that that feeling even though it hurts, even though it seems so real, it's not the truth about you. That God hasn't rejected you. Yeah, man, might have rejected you. That means they lost a valuable piece that could have been a part of their lives. That's you. So that's okay. Jesus says, wipe your feet off. That means let them be. But God's accepted you. He loves you. He wants you to know that you're needed, you're wanted, that you're loved, that he understands what you're going through. Allow him right now just to come in, just to hug on you and to give you vision. Realize that loneliness is an emotion that needs to be controlled. You may be hurt, and what loneliness does, it, it, it lets us know that there's hurt in our life. And Yeah, we've all been hurt, and there's some things we need to deal with. But first, let's run to Jesus, and let's find answers in Him. So allow Him right now just to love on you. So Father, right now, we just thank you. Father, truly, as a believer, we are never alone because, Jesus, you are here. And, I, God, I, I, I believe and I have experienced this in my life that you are to be experienced. You're not a God that's far away, that has nothing to do with us. But you're a God that is very present and driven. That you want us to feel you, to know you, hear your voice. Father, I pray for those who are feeling lonely right now, that they will open up their heart to you. That they will receive all that you have for them. That they'll have that spiritual identity. Like Jesus, that you'll never leave them or forsake them. And Father God, because of that spiritual identity, they'll be able to get strength to rise above that emotion of loneliness. They'll realize what's happening, what's the hurt and the pain that they're going through, and they'll give it to you. God, that you'll heal them of that. And they'll go out with this 
this servant mentality to serve others, to be a part of a community that loves them like you love us. And we thank you, God, for it. So, Father, just give every one of us that feel lonely a hug this Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, loneliness to leave and your presence to come in a greater way. We receive it now in Jesus' name.